Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Hall of French Toast, Freddie Carlson, and I am joined once again by my good friend on the other side of the mic, the heart of the wrestling fan base himself, Angelo Belly. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello. Welcome back for another episode. And last time we were joined by a special guest. He was he was so happy. We were so happy to have him. We wanted him back. And this time, no time restraints. Austin Waters, Mr. 341 Wrestling himself, has returned. Say hello to the people, everybody. Uh, Austin. It's me. I'm back. And I'm ready for more. Alrighty. <laughs> so Austin actually uh, picked our topic for tonight. And uh, he only told us about it really this morning. So Angelo and I only had a little bit of time to really prepare. I'm going to pass it off to Austin and let him uh, let him explain what we're going to be talking about tonight. All right. So, uh, I was thinking a lot about this. I came up with it almost immediately after we finished our podcast last week. And we, um, what I wanted to talk about is how the expectations for the year 2020, like if you look back at January, the, the expectations for the year with McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble and Edge returning in the Royal Rumble, the, the year, this, this was the year that was supposed to revive the wrestling industry, but instead it's fallen flat on its face due to the pandemic. So I guess what we want to talk about is, will the wrestling industry make that comeback that we all imagined when Ed returned? Or was this year the nail in the coffin for the entire industry? And we're going to go through and kind of analyze some of the different uh, companies right now and how they're succeeding, how they're failing, and talk about uh, maybe some things we wish were better or some things we wish they would just stop doing entirely. So, just general thoughts on that. What do you guys think? Oof. Um, right off of the bat, I think that, uh, I mean, in general, the, this calendar year has been just such a, a disappointment, a, a scare. I, I don't even know if if there's a, a, a better word to describe it, or worse, depending on how you look at it. But I think that you had, I did have such high hopes. Even before the Rumble, I think, I just had a lot of hopes that like the rumble itself was going to be so good and and the way things were shaping up at the beginning of the year really made you think eh, this could be something. I mean NXT and AEW started going head to head just before the year 2019 ended. They were both putting out great content every week. You know, Drew McIntyre was rising up the card very quickly. Uh, there was the, the Fiend was the universal champion at the time. And we, and, and I, I, I did think there was a lot of expectation and I just think that the disappointment is a difficult blow. I don't think it's ir ir unfixable. I don't think it's unfixable, but I think that there's a lot of difficulty there and, and I'll get into that, but I'll let Angelo give something of that sort too. What do you think, Angelo? Yeah. So um, I definitely agree with you on that. It was definitely uh, something unexpected now. Um, but I feel like this is something that not only WWE and AEW, NXT, I feel like this is something that every promotion could use as their leverage to see, like, you know, all right, without fans um, in attendance now, how are we going to, you know, what, what are we going to do to see how we can elevate everything to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, absolutely. hopefully now, like, everybody's thinking, you know, all the creative teams, like, they're trying to do what's best for business. Definitely. It's almost an even playing field when you look at it. I mean, Impact has the same number of fans in the building as WWE every single night, and it's basically zero on both ends of the spectrum. So what we're looking at is just pure wrestling content and pure promo content, I guess you could say. 
And that's right there, Austin, that, with that second thing you said, promo content. I think that if anything out of this pandemic era has been bolstered, it is that now everybody who has to cut a promo, which is obviously everyone who wants to be on TV and wrestling, they have to elevate their game just right, just right off the bat in that respect. Because this, and I, I hearken back to what we saw just after or before and even after WrestleMania with Edge and Randy Orton. I mean, those two guys, the promo work was otherworldly to the point where they got me so invested into the match and I was already invested I mean this was a match that you could have gotten me with just saying Edge versus Randy Orton in 2020 okay I'm gonna watch but you got me hooked because they made it feel so genuine so real that's what I love in a good promo you want to suspend that reality they not only suspended it but they truly took it to another level that I don't think if this was a regular uh, situation it would have ever gotten there it would have been more of the regular old mundane you know okay we're gonna have a couple of promos back and forth in the ring and maybe a couple of brawls you know how the normal build up to a big mania match would have gone yeah no totally i agree randy orton's promos he's proven this year once again that he just doesn't he doesn't get worse no. he just it's up and up and up and it's never gonna go down not at all Angela, actually, I've been. I think you and I have mentioned this before too. Kind of going along that same line of guys who have had to elevate their certain aspects of their game. Uh, one duo I've seen really work at a new level in this pandemic is uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey. They over on SmackDown, especially at the very beginning of it, were kind of like the only things that made me want to watch SmackDown. You know, around the time of WrestleMania, because they kind of ruined the fiend for me. After he lost to Goldberg, I was kind of like, all right, you know what? Um, I don't really care what's going on here, especially with Braun beating him. So I wanted to ask you, Angelo, do you think, and, and I'm pointing this more to Bailey because her promo work has been called into question many times over the years. Uh, do you think they were, and I don't want to use the term MVP here because I actually wanted to bring that up later, but do you think that they were at the top of their game more than they would have been because of the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. Um, in my mind, I think I think that they are, and especially um, I, I didn't get to catch all of SmackDown uh, this like last week, but uh, after Bailey actually attacked Sasha Banks and you know she cut that promo, she uh, I forgot exactly how it went, but she said, you know, I knew that you were using me because I was using you. That just made me like realize, oh my god, like she's a great heel. Like, I loved her when she was a face, but now as a heel, she's totally badass. <laughs> that was that was the thing. I feel like that um, just turning her heel, giving her a little more time on the mic, she her character actually is, uh, is a lot better than it was before. Definitely. I don't think there was any room for character depth with Hugger Bailey. I mean, yeah. there was she was always going to be the same, um, dare I say, fruity pebble john cena-esque <laughs> kind of thing where it was yeah. like yeah you're all colorful and you have colorful graphics and colorful attire and uh you do the same moves all the time and uh we don't really see much else from no you, and and, so. and you know for me angelo can attest to this i'm the biggest bailey fan there is I, i've been a fan of hers since well before she kind of was put on the map with that whole sasha banks feud in nxt but i think that the death of that hugger character was the 2017 feud with Alexa Bliss, where they literally painted Bailey to be somebody who could not be more aggressive, 
because she wouldn't use a kendo stick in a kendo stick on a pole match. That's an often forgotten about match that I'm I personally would rather forget. But to me, that was the death of that character. And you know, that's not not to veer off topic, but there, like you said, Austin, there wasn't there was a time limit on that character after a while. And if you weren't gonna make her more serious, if you weren't gonna make her more legit in that respect, then you needed to do something to change it up. Turning her heel was the right call. The initial heel turn, though, if you remember back, you know, she turned heel by attacking Becky Lynch during her feud with Sasha Banks when they had that whole stupid wild card rule going on and everybody was everywhere and they didn't have a brand split anymore for a couple of months. And then the real heel turn kicked in when she killed the Bailey buddies when cut her hair. And all right, that was when you got me. And that was what one of the things that made me excited for 2020 was I expected them to have that blow off match at WrestleMania. And I got to believe that. I mean, maybe until the pandemic hit, they were intending to, you know, I mean, they didn't really, give much of a of, of an inkling that it was going to happen at that point, but it was close. And to me, heel Bailey was something that I truly wanted to see, and I was so excited to see her take the ball and run with it with this pandemic. She is one of the people who has benefited most from this situation. And that's not to say that benefiting from the pandemic, but benefiting from the circumstance and the wrestling business as a whole. I think that she has truly benefited from it because now she's had, she's been SmackDown Women's Champion for all but five days since May 19th of 2019. It is September 17th, 2020. So do that math and subtract five days. She's been champion that whole time. She'll hit a year in about two and a half weeks. So Mm -hmm. to me, that is unbelievable. I genuinely, I'm a, I'm a fan. If it's the right person, you give them that length of a reign. Becky Lynch was the right person for it, although I think she should have dropped it to Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania. Uh, CM Punk was the right man for it. The New Day was the right person for it. I genuinely think Bayley was the right person for this, and it's been one of the few bright spots, in my opinion, of 2020, save for a, a, a handful of specific instances. I I, I take the, grand, the, the, the overall picture as the whole thing, and to me, she was the one who benefited almost the most from it. No, I agree, and I don't, I don't even think, like... If WrestleMania 36 hypothetically had fans in attendance, I don't think having Bailey versus Sasha was the right way to go for that either. The slow burn has been much more satisfactory than than just having a, a really weird, like quick friendship and then feud. And then it's it, I don't think it would have sat right. Almost you you really want to give the whole program time, and that's why they're starting with this second half of the calendar year with the end of SummerSlam all the way. They'll drag this out to. Mania. Probably WrestleMania 37. Yeah, I will say they did announce that tomorrow night we're recording on a Thursday to those who listen to this down the line. Tomorrow night on SmackDown, uh, Sasha Banks is going to return and and address the ass- the assault from Bailey. And I'm kind of bummed that she's coming back so fast. I'm not going to lie. This is a that was an assault where she literally should be off TV for weeks if not months. Bailey literally crushed her windpipe with a freaking chair, and Sasha's back in two weeks. So. Slow burn is what I'm enjoying, and I do think that when this match finally happens, whether it's at the Rumble or Mania or whenever they finally blow it off, as long as they give him enough time in that ring and just let them go like they did at TakeOver Brooklyn 1 and TakeOver Respect, that match will be, if not the match of the night, top two. And I'm saying that with almost confidence. 
that but also has the potential to be one of the greatest women's matches in history. I know Bailey and Sasha Banks already have some of those. Yes. But it could be it could turn into be like the greatest women's wrestling match because it's, in history. It's the biggest it, like it's the biggest feud. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, yeah, Trish and Lita went on for years and they had some classics and that set the standard. And, you know, then you have the historic the historic important aspect of Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda at WrestleMania a couple of years ago will always live. But in terms of overall production of a wrestling match, and the wrestling and a wrestling match is not just the match itself from bell to bell. It's not just the promo package before. It's not just the, the hype of the entrances. It's the build. How much you put into it and how long it is. And we can, you know, and this is kind of veering off topic, but, you know, really quickly, just want to say, like, this build could genuinely be the best build to a female a female match ever. They've mm. never put this much effort and time into it and had them, you know, do things that you didn't expect. They won the tag titles from out of nowhere. They were both singles champs, uh, double champs at the same time. I didn't expect that in this view, in this, in this story, but it's all going to be a part of a grand scheme and I love it, but that's veering off topic and it's a, t- a conversation for another day. Well, well, it is and it isn't because the golden role models we can talk about, it's like, they're one of the the saving graces of 2020 wrestling in WWE. Whereas like, they're the thing that they're, they, they were running all three shows at one point. They were showing up three times a week on Raw, SmackDown and NXT and getting the job done. And not a lot of other people were doing that. Yeah. So, and not to mention it, it was probably one of the few things that was bringing in views. So, Oh yeah. Another thing, too, that I want to kind of veer to, and I'll toss this one to Angelo um, again. Uh, coming out of WrestleMania, um, and obviously WrestleMania was, I, w- I don't want to say a letdown. They put on the best show that they could for a, uh, a the situation and having, I, I don't know if you watched the, uh, the behind-the-scenes doc they did for that mania. I did. Um, they had to pull this together in 10 days. They had 10 days to transition from an 80,000-seat stadium to an empty arena. And they did. I heard a little bit about that. Um, so my question is, coming out of WrestleMania and all the all the matches that had happened and the stories that were, where they were, was there any hope in your mind that this rest of this year could be salvaged? Because at that point, we really didn't know where this was going to go. We didn't know how it was going to end up. We, I mean, we still really don't. But at least now we kind of have some sense of the new normal with masks and social distancing and all that. At that point, that really wasn't a thing. We were still in the very highest point of this pandemic. So what were your thoughts coming out of Mania? Did you have any hopes for the wrestling industry coming right out of that? Um, yeah, I still, honestly, I still do have the hope that one day, you know, maybe a month from now, a month and a half from now, you know, I, I don't know how, how it's going to happen here in New York or in Connecticut or anywhere in the tri-state area, but at least down in Florida, I know that uh, at least for AEW, they have fans in attendance. Yeah. You know, very limited, but they still have fans. Um, so hopefully soon, if not, then you know, as time goes on, as everything slows down, and you know, fans are allowed back in, I think that maybe we'll be able to go to more events and you know, actually be there to support the industry. You know, more than we are now. I mean, yet you know. You can watch on TV at home, but it's not the same as, you know, being there with a live crowd and, you know, cheering for your favorite superstars, booing certain superstars. You know, that's, for me, that's like the whole wrestling experience. Absolutely. 
And I think another thing, too, that's going to come from this is there's going to be a newfound appreciation for watching anything in attendance live. Concerts, uh, movies, anything. And wrestling is going to be one of the biggest benefits. I think that, you know, a lot of times people got a little spoiled with what they got to see. And, you know, the beach balls and the and the chants and not paying attention to what's going on in the ring. And I think that might bring a newfound appreciation to it because now people are going to realize this isn't always going to be here. We might not always get the chance to come and sit in this build, building and watch a show. How many, you know, big pay-per-views, you know, two big pay-per-views already this year and looking like it's going to be at least, you know, Survivor Series, the Rumble, probably all going to be affected negatively by this, if not WrestleMania again next year. So the question is, will people respect it more i'd like to think so um and, and give it that newfound appreciation um i i think that i will say my my expectations were pretty low at least for wwe because i was already seeing them settle into this uh very complacent mindset with the pandemic in the very first few weeks booking wise they just got lazy they were kind of giving you the same basic thing and and now if you look back i've seen this i saw i forget where i've seen it uh, the last three months on Raw, from June to September, Apollo Crews has not competed in any match that did not feature one of the members of the Hurt Business. He has been in about 20 matches in that time frame between Raw and pay-per-views, and he has not competed in one match that did not feature one of the four members of the Hurt Business. And to me, you're be- you're beating a dead horse with that. He was the United States champion for a part of for most of that period too, like. Yeah. Ah, that, that so that's where the negative comes in. While you have your positives in the golden role models, while you have your positives in Drew McIntyre, your negatives come in the likes of complacent booking. And and this is only WWE. I genuinely don't think that any other company has been as complacent with their booking in this time frame. AEW to kind of transition has been so unique with everything that they've booked, and they have given you some entertaining stuff throughout the course of the pandemic. I mean, yes, blood and guts got canceled and Angelo, you know, you were both, you and I were both supposed to be there that night and it was supposed to be the, probably the best show we would have ever seen live. I'm just going to be very honest, but not definitely. Uh, and, I'll, and Austin, I'll let you talk about this one first. Um, thinking about AEW and some of the innovation that they've created in the pandemic era. Uh, just recently, we had the first ever Mimosa Mayhem match. We had a, uh, a stadium stampede, a broken rules match. You know, three, three or four of these really outlandish gimmicks that actually provided entertaining matches for the most part. I mean, I watched the stadium stampede and I loved every second of it. Um, right. What do you think about how AEW has done during the pandemic as opposed to how WWE has gone about things? Well, AEW, right off the bat, it's it's only been a couple weeks now, but having those bands in the stands is is gonna put them ahead at least of NXT. I'm I'm not sure if in the ratings they're ever gonna do better than Raw and SmackDown just because of like it's it, they've got their position on on lockdown. You know that's they're, they're the top dogs for right now in the United States, um, like in the market for what people are watching just because of how easy it is to access them on USA Network and Fox, but. Um, like the having the fans and the energy in the stadium right now is doing them just wonders. It's doing them wonders, and um, I don't watch a lot of AEW. I think I will now. It contradicted with my work schedule for a little while, but from what I did see, is like you talked about. It's just so much innovation, and they're just trying. They're trying new things. You know, it's 
they had oh, what it was the 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 young bucks and the butcher and the blade, and they had that oh, false yeah. count anywhere match through Daly's place, and they started in the kitchen, and the the butcher and the blade were chopping meat, and and then it slowly progressed out into the arena part of it, but they were on the escalators, they were in the trucks, they they were they were doing some stuff, and I was I was entertained because it's not the same falls count anywhere match where they do just kind of like a loop around and then they get back in the ring and finish it there or something like that. It was, it was just some interesting stuff. And I think they've been doing good at innovation during the pandemic. Um, they've been getting criticized a lot though recently for all of uh, almost backtracking on their words of like how they won't let just any WWE superstar who got fired in, on April 19th join up. And they've had, quite a few recently joined their roster. Yeah, that's the thing. And actually I wanted to talk about that at some, at some point too. Um, but yeah, I think, um, so I'm torn on that. I've seen both sides of the spectrum. I've seen people criticize them for signing so many X WWE guys, but contrary to that, these are people who are professional wrestlers by trade. This is their living. They've made their living it by this and probably only this for most of their adult lives if not all of their adult lives. So they need to find a job. And AEW, for all intents and purposes, is the second biggest wrestling promotion in America today. I, I mean, that's pretty safe to assume. So with that being said, you can't really fault them. And two, they're not using these guys the same way WWE did. Now, I will be the first to say Sean Spears has truly gotten the short end of the stick out of all these guys who's gone over there. I haven't really seen him do anything other than just align himself with Tully Blanchard and hit uh, hit Cody Rose with a chair. But, you know, guys like John Moxley, I mean, right off of the bat, Moxley left WWE and had arguably the biggest pop of the year 2019 walking into that building at double or nothing and just showing up and, and, and that knocked the wrestling world on its ass, for lack of a better term, in a good way. And, you know, yeah, Miro... I'm happy for him. Uh, this best man gimmick, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not, I'm already a little skeptical just by after two weeks of it, but okay. You know, people like Miro. I love Miro. Rusev uh, was one of my favorite guys in WWE. I was, I'm very outspoken about the fact that I think he was underutilized. Matt Cardona, another guy who's shown up there. And, you know, Austin, I know you're a big Zack Ryder guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I like the idea of him being there, but I, I also kind of feel like it's a form of nepotism because he's so close with one of the EVPs. Um, and because I, I, let's be honest, as good of a big of a name he might be, he's a guy you could exceed going to impact as opposed to, uh, you know, the good brothers. And yet the good brothers ended up in impact and Matt Cardona's in AEW. And that's kind of the reverse of what I expected mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, because the good brothers being such a big tag team name and, I will say Impact benefit, and again now transitioning to another company, and we can talk about this now. Impact benefited the most from that layoff day of WWE in April, Black Wednesday, as it's been referred to. WWE laying off what twenty, thirty of their major workers, not to mention probably hundreds of backstage staff that we didn't even know about, names that we'll never know. But think about some of the names that got released: the the Good Brothers, Eric Young, um, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins. Uh, EC3, Heath Slater, yeah. uh, just the list goes on. It was so many. It was so many. And, you know, it's something that people so genuinely want to see. One guy who I saw he posted on Instagram today, ironically, 
He said he has not gotten a single call. He has not gotten a single anything. I saw this. It's Aiden yeah. English. Now, don't get me wrong. Aiden English was never a big name, but he's he's got a he can get you. He can get. He's over with his gimmick being a good opera singer. I mean, there's something to be used there. Well, I don't think it was the opera singer gimmick necessarily. It was him tagging along on Rusev Day and putting Rusev Day over. He was like over by association, I guess you could say. Yeah. He wasn't necessarily over himself. He was over because Rusev was over. That's a good point. I, I just I liked Aiden English. I liked his voice, and you know, it was a unique. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like the prototypical. I'm going to come out here and 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 bore you to death. I mean, Elias does that heel shtick very well. Um, but uh, Aiden was kind of like the knockoff version of that. Like at the same time, Elias is doing so much good, and then here's Aiden English just singing opera to come to the ring. Like, okay, put him with Rusev. He got him over. But um, yeah, so let's let's talk about Impact and how they benefited from the Black Black Wednesday, and look at some of the guys who have ended up over there. Anyone? Who, which one of you guys would want to go first with that? Angelo, maybe. Uh, so if you if you look at like how many people went over, like you said, you got the Good Brothers, you got uh, Kurt Hawkins, aka uh, yeah Brian Myers, uh, you got EC3, Eric Young, Heath Slater, um, Deanna Perazzo. Yeah, Deanna Perrazzo, too. Oh, my God, I forgot about her. Um, I'm not sure if there were a couple more that I might be missing. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Heath. Big ones. Yeah, but, like, especially with Heath, too. Like, so, I feel like he was so underutilized in WWE that now, like, especially now he's doing his whole thing, you know, Heath for Impact, you know, that campaign to get signed. I feel like this could be something that can honestly make him a future star in Impact, whether it's, him going for the X Division title or, you know, going in a random pairing with someone for the tag titles. I think him and Rhino, him and Rhino I mean. Him and got, Rhino restarted their tag yeah, team. And, and I, and, and now, I mean, I know this was thrown together for the sake of the gimmick back that back then, but I thought those two guys were gold together. They were, they, they had a, they had a good, a good, uh, a good cohesion in the ring for what it was worth. I, I'm not usually a fan of makeshift tag teams and we've talked about this, but. That one I was a fan of because Heath was so over in 2016. And if you ever had a chance to capitalize on a Heath Slater singles run in WWE, late 2016 would have been the time. But that kind of fizzled out to the point where, okay, he was nothing again by the end of the year. Because it fizzled out and the tag team run with Rhino was never given a chance. Not a single one. They won the titles. Great moment. The anniversary was just the other day. Never did anything after that. So I think Heath and Impact, I like I like the idea of him going for the X Division title, to be honest with you. That X Division has been low-key putting on some good matches the last few months, especially since uh, Slammiversary. So I uh, genuinely do think that that could benefit. Um, another one, and Austin, I'll toss this to you. Think about this one. Eric Young, a career resurgence of sorts with going back to Impact. What are you thinking of Eric Young as the new Impact World Champion? Just won the title back a few weeks ago. Um, well, in, when it comes to Eric Young, I, I listened to uh, Tim. You and I know Tim. I don't know if Angela knows mm -hmm. Tim. But I listened to Tim, and I really did think that Eric Young, after these releases, was just going to kind of settle down and focus on his cigar business. I think he has a cigar business or something cigar like that. And just and, Or like a sports writing business, too. Oh, yeah. And I thought... I thought he was going to focus on that, and I was really surprised to see him kind of shift back into not only just being 
someone on the impact roster, but being the world champion on the on the impact roster. That was all within shame. all within what, maybe two months? If yeah, that? yeah. He 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 returned at Slammiversary, which was the middle of July, and he won the impact title two weeks ago. So yes, early September. Yeah, so not even two months. Eddie Edwards had that big, you know, oh, he's the champ again, and then all of a sudden. Eddie Edwards loses the title to Eric Young. I thought they were going to draw that feud out to Bound for Glory. No, because I think they're doing they're doing uh, Eric Young and Rich Swan, Rich which is Swan. really nice to see Rich Swan getting a world title opportunity. Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, no, for, but for Impact Wrestling, I think that all of these big names are they're really good for the product, but it's not all those big names that's carrying the product right now. Those big names like the Good Brothers and Brian Myers, they're going to get the eyes on Impact Wrestling. But once our eyes are there, it's who it's who didn't come from Black Wednesday that we really need to keep our eyes on. We've got Chris Bay, I we've got Taya Valkyrie, we've got oh my god, there's there's names, there's names, there's so Ace, many names. Ace Austin, I am a huge fan of Ace Austin. Yes, and yes. he he is going to be world champion one day, and he is going to be the most cocky heel since EC3, and I love it. Yeah, and so Impact's numbers right now, um, they're, they've got the solo spot on Tuesday. I really do think that if they were on a better TV network that had more, like, like I can't watch Impact Wrestling on TV just because I don't even have that network. Yeah, and that's been their too. problem for years now. Ever since they left Spike, I really haven't been able to watch it just because they've been jumping from cable network to yeah. cable network. And But I think that if they were on a... A, a more substantial cable network that they'd be able to get the kind of numbers that NXT is running. And that's a bold statement, but I still, I will stick by that. I will say I, I haven't watched either. Cause again, I, I don't, I also don't have access TV, but I've, I, I'm, I've been keeping tabs and, and I, some of the booking I just don't get. I mean, it's more of like a, all right, this is kind of weird. Kind of, you know, it's it's going. I I kind of expected the the Good Brothers to be involved in such in more of a big angle, but they came in being helpers to Eddie Edwards, and then they had a weeks long feud with Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. I don't even think it's been paid off, to be honest with you. Two months now, so I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm intrigued, and they still do have my interest. Maybe not as much as when it, when Slammiversary first happened. They had everybody talking, all these big things. Heath EC3, you know, I I think EC3 going back there, to all things considered, is going to be the best thing for his career. Because he's he's a guy that if he went to AEW would have ended up like Sean Spears. He's gonna get there. He's gonna have one or two kind of cool moments, and that's gonna be it. And then Sean Spears has been left meddling around while everybody else who's come over from WWE has seemingly gotten more of an opportunity and even other guys than that. I mean, AEW has provided national exposure for some names that probably never even dreamed that they would get there at this stage of their careers because they would have thought, Oh, I got to go to WWE. I got to sign with NXT, work my way through the system. Maybe I get on TV after a couple of months, maybe, you know, all these things that change because AEW with dark and then dynamite, and allowing these younger, not so well-known guys on their broadcasts is making it absolutely amazing to me. It gives hope to a whole generation of wrestlers that may not have had it. And uh, so, yeah, Angela, I, what, what do you what do you think of like AEW having these names of like let's say 
I don't know, like, let's take Jungle Boy, for example, right? Jungle Boy is the prime example of someone who would not have gotten signed by WWE at least for another five or ten years of being on the indies. And that's just because of his size and because of, dare I say, like, a, a lack of experience, almost. But on AEW, he's giving... Once you're given that time on TV and it's make or break, he's he and a few other people who are in similar situations have been making it. So what do you think about some of those like kind of names? So Jungle Boy, um I actually I actually am kind of a fan of him. Uh he actually grew on me with his feud with Jericho. Oh, great. Great stuff. That was that was a great feud. Honestly, like like you said, giving him the time. Him and in, in those, I think it was what two or three matches that he was in with Jericho. Yeah, something um, like that. That that just like honestly made me even more of a fan of him than just seeing him do some flips. Like honestly, like appreciate his um, his in ring work. Yeah, definitely. Jungle Boy is is uh, without a doubt. Uh, one of the best young guys on the AEW roster. Another guy I've been really impressed by, and yeah, he had some kind of exposure in Ring of Honor before this, Scorpio Sky. He is coming into his own in AEW. He's kind of separated himself from SCU almost, working as a singles guy on Dark. Had that great match with Cody. Now he was working, uh, he did the stuff with the Dark Order recently. Uh, you know, I think, I think that that can genuinely be another uh, big world champion type star in the very near future. Maybe not in 2021. I think by 2021 he should be in the TNT title picture, but within a year or two he's definitely going to be up there. Well, the TNT title is a completely weird title, only because it's right now it's almost as if everyone and no one is in the title picture at the same time. <laughs> We've got a really random pairing of uh, Mr. Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy next week for the title. Right. And it's like, that doesn't even make any sense because they, they've they never even interacted before. It's almost like they're doing open challenges without him challenging anyone, I guess. Right, and he even said, I think it was on BTE, that the open challenges were done, which is like, oh, and, that, and that's another thing I want to get into too, BTE being able to be an extra broadcast for AEW, but, you know, bro, and, and, and Brody being the champ, is a good idea in my eyes for this simple fact. Cody took that title, and he made people want to see who was going to challenge for it. He did very well for it for the few months he had it. That being said, I just didn't want to see it become another version of the 24-7 title. You know? Which, it's 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 teetering. It's like, oh yeah, okay. I mean, they're actually having real matches, but there's no story to build up to it. You know? There's very little you know, be background, like the world title, the tag titles, the women's title, oh, maybe not the women's title, but the, the, you know, the those two, they get deep backgrounds, you know, weeks long buildup between, you know, like just recently after, before all out hangman and Omega against FTR and, uh, Moxley and, and MJF had a weeks long build of promos and, and segments and, and, and the slow build for FTR, you know, they're still building to that match with the Young Bucks, and when we get it, it's going to be the best tag team match, dare I say, of the last decade. Better than the Revival DIY, which in my opinion holds that honor right now. Um, 
But, uh, that's tough. That's so tough. I don't. I don't. I don't want to cast any shade on the revival and the Young Bucks, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see it being. They're they're two amazing teams, and I, yes, I know. The reason why their match with each other is going to be so big is because they're being kept apart for so long. And it's the match that everyone wants to see, but we're not getting to see. And we always come close, and then we don't see it again. And almost like how Sasha Banks and Bailey is, has been over the past six months. It's been like, all right, it's coming. It's it, it's still coming. It's it's coming. It's You'll, you'll see it eventually, but it's coming. <laughs> and um, eventually we will see it. And just the, that sort of like tension build is going to be why it's going to be so anticipated. Um and I guess if if AEW's kind of their mentality on tag team wrestling since their beginning was like this is going to be a place where tag team wrestling comes to shine and succeed, and so I I think it'll be a five star Melter match. Not that I really care about <laughs> Melter ratings, but yeah, no, no. I do. I think that it's going to be the greatest tag team wrestling match I've ever seen. No which is surprising, but I'll be honest. I, I don't, I I'm almost on the same board as you with revival and DIY and NXT is that those are not going to get topped. Yeah. They, those, those two, those two teams in that series of matches in late 2016, just put a, put tag team wrestling back into the foreground of saying the, this could be a form, a form that just like, Women's wrestling is getting back into it. Maybe not on the same level because obviously that's a separate issue. But it was only just, okay, yeah, the men's titles, singles titles, the only thing people care about. So now if you give such broad differences, you know, the women's title has its unique situations going on. And the men's singles titles do. And then the tag titles do. That's what makes a product great is that any of those title matches can, on any given night, can main event the show. The WWE tag team titles, I don't think have ever been there. AEW is at that cusp where the way that they've built their tag team division, and Angela and I have talked about this, it could be the main event with the right story. I think that dependent upon the other matches on that same card, if the Bucks and the and uh, FTR have it on a pay-per-view, which I assume they will, they're going on last, in my opinion. Yeah. No, and we saw that at last year's... Um, was it last year's All Out where it was the, the, the Bucks and... Um, and the oh, Lucha Bros in the ladder match, and that closed the show did that because of the. I think, I think it closed think the show. The show because of the LAX debut at the end of the match. No, that, that all out. That was Jericho and Hangman. No. No, that didn't close the that show. That didn't close the show. Wow. I didn't... No, the ladder match closed the show. I'm almost positive because of the LAX debut. Huh. I mean, no. either way, it's still. But that's that brings up such an interesting point of like that's what WWE should really be striving for is like, it's a really safe bet to put the world title match in the main event of all your shows, because yeah, it should be the most important um, feud going on. It should be, but why not have all the other feuds be just as important, almost make it like they're fighting for that top spot. You know, like you won't know what that main event match is going to be until all of the matches have played out and then yeah. you finally get to the last one. Like if, if people care the exact same amount, but like a lot about the tag team division and the women's division and 
even like the the mid card titles divisions, like have them all kind of compete for that top spot because it, you know, if we all care about like let's say, let's take the um, if you flash back to Extreme Rules two years ago, the main event of that pay per view was the Intercontinental Title match, which was really astounding to me because they had AJ Styles and Rusev going on for the WWE title. Yeah. Should have, like, you had the hype, but Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler were putting on the storyline and they were putting in the work. And quite honestly, they did deserve, they earned 100%. the main event of that show. Yeah. They and were, so if you, yeah. if you have that competitiveness between divisions and you have the tag team division get good enough where people want to see it in the main event, I think it could be there. And that's what the division needs. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. like case in point, uh, you know, similar to that uh, Survivor Series last year, you had, you know, that big 15 man five on five on five elimination match, which I thought was going on last from the outset. But they went ahead and put the triple threat women's match on last. But that was because and I didn't even realize it because I think I was kind of I, w- I was missing some of the lead up. They put a lot of effort into building up Becky versus Bailey versus Shayna. They spent a lot of time sh- classif- classic. Can't why am I can't think of words today? Uh, going into detail about each woman and why they are so successful and why they are as good as they are. And yeah, the match may not have been as good as we would have hoped that those three could have put on. Like you said, they earned that spot. They were and same thing with WrestleMania 35. They earned that spot to go on last. And so, if a tag team match can do it, I'm all for it. I love a good tag team match. Now, it doesn't need to be a spot fest. I mean, yes, Hardy's, Dudley's, Edge, and Christian revolutionized not only tag team wrestling in many ways, not only spot fest in many ways, but the TLC match in and of itself. But it doesn't need to be that to be able to be on last. Yeah, if, no. you're, if you're talking that being created in 2020, that type of wrestling, yeah, it probably goes on last. You know, that first time ever, if it was a TLC match for the first time ever, just so to speak, in 2020, oh, that match is going on last. And what those guys did that that night, those those three times, would be the best thing you've ever seen. Because you hadn't seen it before, and it's something new in this era. But, unfortunately, you can't live up to the hype of previous tag team generations. And you shouldn't. You should be able to build new ones. But WWE's concept of a tag team division is I'm going to get a 10-year-old kid out of the crowd and have him team with the tallest guy in the locker room and walk out of WrestleMania as tag champs. And, and I, Angela, I see you laughing, and I, and I, it's true. It's funny, but it's stupid. And you know I don't like it. I, that, I, I know you 125% despise it. <laughs> yeah, so what, what do you have to say on the potential for tag team wrestling main eventing a pay-per-view? Potential for tag team wrestling main eventing a pay-per-view? Honestly, I think if um, if they book it right, especially in uh, AEW's case with the Young Bucks and uh, FTR, I feel like this is a match that can honestly take it to the main event. They could they could honestly steal the show, and like a, a Mox match against I don't know who his challenger would be next at the next pay per view, but um, I think that could overshadow that their match could overshadow uh, Mox's match. I think that, and I mean, we're not getting into any fantasy booking, but to go along with that, I think Mox beats Archer at the anniversary show. And I think that he, he defends against the hangman page at full gear. 
uh, in November. Page is going to take the. I think Page takes the title off of him, and then you can start off an Omega versus Page feud, and that those guys could very well go and and do their own thing. But that being said, uh, I just think that they, they AEW is probably leading the race in terms of getting tag team wrestling to a main event scene much sooner. And and I'm and I'm not talking just some. You know, random tag team like not John Cena and The Rock versus The Miz and all and our Truth at Survivor Series. I'm talking tag team championship, a feud that's been built up for months. Mm-hmm. Because WWE, yeah, no, I totally WWE, I think I think they're going to unify their tag titles uh, with the with the now doing the Street Profits against Cesaro and Nakamura. I think Clash of Champions. It's going to be winner takes all, and you're just going to have like the women's tag titles go from show to show. I think that the ta- the men's tag titles are going to go from show to show. And to be honest, the way the tag divisions are built on each show, I think that's the way to go. Especially now the Viking Raiders are without Ivar for at least a year because of his neck surgery. So your only other really ready-made team on Raw is out. You've broken up Garza and Andrade. I mean, who else is there on Raw? Who Outside of the Street Profits, who else is there on Raw? Well, the Hurt business, actually. <laughs> okay, fair. I... <laughs> All right, I'll I give would... you that one. I'll give you that one. I would love to see like Shelton and Cedric oh, run love out that. and repair those titles. Great, yeah. Because before Cedric joined, I was like, I don't see Set MVP taking the tag title. I would have seen him and I would have seen Lashley and Shelton do it. But now that Cedric's there, I could see MVP being their mouthpiece, and they hold most of the gold on Raw. They won't touch the world title because that's Randy and Drew and Keith right now. Those guys are killing it up there, but. I think that that could be actually that, you know, that's one thing that I would be okay with, you know, tag team wise. Well, you look at the hurt business right now and I'm like, I'm genuinely hyped. Oh yeah. For Like if you saw that shot of them taking off their jackets and standing 12 to four against retribution and I, I'm over retribution oh, already. Don't get me. But, uh, yeah. We won't. That, that's a whole, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole but Maybe we'll talk about that. But when they stood there as heels, they stood there as heels in the face position, standing down retribution. And it was one of the most badass things I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. I love that. I I thought it was a little weird at first when they said they were going to step up. But when they actually did it, I was like, yeah, this is cool. They don't care that they're not. It's business. It's not personal, but it's business. Bobby Lashley tweeted that out. And I was like, yeah, it is. And I love it. And this, if, the, if this might be the only thing that makes me enjoy something to do with retribution, you know, I, I've lost all but any interest in, you know, you can kind of tell who's who, you know, Dijakovic and then Yim and then Martinez, Dio Madden, whatever. I'm done with them. I'm still hoping that they pull a switcheroo and have, when they actually reveal all these people, it's someone totally different because we'll have settled into this comfortable notion that it's those people. And then when it's not, It'll feel like much a much better payoff, I think. Oh, it would be, and, but it, I, it, you know, you mentioned Tim before Austin. He says it best. You can't expect much more from WWE, unfortunately. No. But there is one thing I can say that would possibly save Retribution, and it's the fact that don't you think it's a little weird that Keith Lee's best friend and his girlfriend are. In Retribution, and they attacked that, him on Raw. I was thinking that, yeah. Now, it's it's weird that those two are in Retribution, but I think that Retribution is missing 
something really big and that's their big bad leader face right i don't i don't see any of the members of retribution being the leader of the group dijakovic maybe but like yeah i don't know like like someone who's gonna take like take the nexus for example and i hate comparing them to the nexus because they're two different things but nexus had wade barrett right on the forefront right on the front lines competing in world title matches only a few months into his career yeah in wwe like that was in in made the group legit in a way was that they had someone a top guy in the group and so i think that there's going to be a i think there could almost be some sort of swerve coming and keith lee is the leader of retribution you're making me think of aces and eights right now you guys remember the aces and eights in tna how for yeah. months? Who was the leader? Who was the leader? Is it Devon? Is it Nux? Is it Doc? You know, uh, is it Taz? No, it's it was Bully Ray. It was Bully Ray the whole time. He worked his way into a world title match, got himself locked in a cage with Jeff Hardy, and then all of a sudden the, they hop in like, yeah, all right, Jeff and Bully are gonna fight him off. Oh yeah, Devon tosses him the hammer. Clink, new world champ. Jeff Hardy's knocked out, and it's like, now you've got me thinking. Keith Lee has quickly found his way into the WWE title scene. You know, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre have been too focused on each other. I mean, I I love Keith and I would hate to see him turn heel, but that being said, it's an interesting concept and it might keep the intrigue of, of Retribution lasting at least long enough for me to see the payoff. I don't see any payoff as it is right now. No, not at all. There's The payoff is going to be they're going to be hunted down unmasked and eventually someone's going to K, okay, we're, if I beat you, you disband. And then he beats them, and then they disband. If you remember my fantasy booking, that's the exact way that I went going down to WrestleMania for next year. But besides that point. <laughs> so weren't we talking about 2020? So we talked about uh, AEW and WWE and... Uh, Impact 2, and uh, so there was one more thing I did want to bring up, you know, to kind of tie all this into a bow, and I hinted at it before, talking about the golden role models. Um, it's kind of hard to pick one, and I don't really want to say that we have to, but almost, you know, in the, in this, in this uh, pandemic era of wrestling, there's been a lot of innovation, as we've talked about. There's been a lot of un unexpected turn turns of events and, and superstar returns and debuts, but characters have stuck it out and have really been workhorses. So what could you, who could you say if you had to pick a handful of people who are the MVPs, no pun intended, because I think he's going to be involved in this of the pandemic era, who would you include in that? Now we've talked about Sasha and Bailey. And for me, if you're on the SmackDown side, at least they're your guys or girls. Sasha and Bailey are the MVPs on the SmackDown side of this pandemic era. But who else can we throw into this hat? Angelo, why don't you? You got any names? So, so is this strictly just WWE that we're talking, or are we like, a- you know, I mean, you could go to AEW too because I mean they've been kind of in, like you said, like like Austin said before, everybody is in the same boat. Outside of AEW the last month or so with fans back in attendance, there's been no fans. The most you've had is your own superstar sitting at ringside or virtually on a computer. So, uh, who has been the through the in both WWE and AEW, so to speak? Who's your MVPs or potential MVPs been? 
So, uh, without a doubt, right off the bat, I'd throw in Drew McIntyre. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd definitely throw in Randy Orton. Uh, from AW, right now, I would throw in Cody Rhodes. Cody, okay. Um... Just just for the fact that he's, you know, he tried doing whatever he could with the TNT title. He tried, you know, he, he kind of helped, um, like, some of his challengers get their name out there. So, for that, I, I have a lot of respect for him for that. Yeah, he definitely did something cool with that. I mean, the whole open challenge thing gets played out a little bit in these days. Uh, you know, Cena did Cena did it best, and then everybody right. else kind of comes out and, and it's like, oh, yeah, now we're trying to be like, and I hate to say it, be like John Cena, because Cena, and that was what, to me, that was what proved Cena was not just another guy who was going to bury people. He might win the match, but he's going to make them look like a star. He did it to Neville, Cesaro, uh, Sami Zayn, Stardust, Dean Ambrose, Kane, uh, I mean, well, maybe not Kane, but... Uh, no, he did, he did have one with Kane. Kane, oh, Bad News Kane. Barrett, Zack Ryder, Kevin Owens. Well, the whole, Kevin, Kevin the whole Owens thing. thing was... The oh. the reason Owens is a star is because of how that how, how that went. Um, like, John Cena versus Kevin, o- Kevin Owens at Elimination Chamber 2015 is one of my favorite matches to this day. To and, this day. And I'm still blown away by the fact that they went the way they did with the booking. Absolutely blown away by it. The fact that they went and put Owens over in his debut match on the main roster against John freaking Cena. He may have lost the next two matches, but you know what? That right there, statement made. Not the point of what we were saying, but definitely a cool point to always go back and bring up. Love KO. Um, I think and, that... <laughs> KO, let me, let, me, let me say something here. Is that Kevin Owens has kind of got the shaft through oh, this pandemic. Yes. He is a star, and he's he's very worried right now about making sure everyone else gets TV time, gets over, gets this, gets that, and he has not been worried about himself. And yet he and, was so close to being, he was in like pretty much the biggest feud at the beginning of the year with Seth Rollins. I was right. so hyped for that, for that stuff. He took three weeks off to heal a fractured ankle or something like along those lines, and then almost fell off the map completely, and they're trying to put him back on with Aleister Black, and I dig it. I dig it a lot. But it's almost like he's a former world champion, and he's a, he's almost a grand slam champion at this point. Just need the tag like, title, there, yeah. There's, there's got to be something you can do with this man, especially because he's fighting so hard to be there with these mask procedures. He's the one who's getting all that put in place. Because he wants to be there. He wants to be able to be on the show. He wants to be a part of it. He just wants to know that it's going to be safe for him and for when he goes home to his family. And that's totally understandable. I respect the hell out of him more now than I ever did. And I always had a, a huge level of respect for KO and his work ethic. So mm-hmm. he's definitely been one of those guys that started off 2020 so good and the promise of what could have been kind of got got faltered because he was going to get his WrestleMania moment in front of 80,000 people and just like a guy like Drew McIntyre and he kind of got the short end of that stick. But McIntyre's made the best of it. Obviously, getting to be the champion does that for you. Uh, another per- another uh, MVP that I will um, I will say I've kind of, low key maybe not MVP but I've just been really impressed with his work. It's Johnny Gargano. No, I'm oh, ta- sorry. I thought you were actually referencing MVP. Sorry. Oh well, MVP. I'm going to get to him, but Johnny Gargano. <laughs> just if you go back and watch the little subtleties of his character. Since he turned heel at the beginning of the, at the very before, right before the pandemic, take over at Portland. 
I've liked it. It's not been the best. He's been kind of getting pinned at every turn, but I like it. But to go to MVP, this man has been the reason that three separate talented as hell individuals who have not been used properly, if at all, for the better part of two, three, four years, however long since Shelton came back, he was the first. He's given them new life. Not to mention... TV time and huge storyline ratings for guys like Apollo Crews and Ricochet. Again, guys who have fallen off the wayside. MVP is by far the MVP of this pandemic era because of what he has done for all of the guys involved. Be the fact that they've had a thousand matches together as it may. He has taken Benjamin, Alexander, Lashley, Crews, and Ricochet and put them on a level that you can never, ever have expected them to reach, honestly without him being there to tie it all together. And they said, Mustafa Ali who? <laughs> like, he came back for the one match, and then now he's a heel He's a heel on the main, main event. I don't even so. understand how you can turn someone heel on main event. Because when the next time, if, oh God, if he ever ends up on Raw again, is he going to be not gonna a gonna heel? It's not going to make any sense. Is he going to be a heel? Is he going to be a babyface? Were they just going to expect me to say, yeah, I watch main event. Nobody watches freaking main event. They, they film those matches for the fact that they know that they've got a safe face and not acknowledge the fact that one of their shows is failing epically. I don't know many people who watch main event. I don't ever see anything about main event posted unless it's WWE. So so my, uh, my girlfriend's sister, she works for WWE, and she says that one of the very few reasons that they're keeping main event right now is because it's one of the only WWE shows that is exclusively on Hulu, I think. Oh, yeah. So it keeps their Hulu deal kind of floating okay, a little bit all right i'll give them that because it doesn't make any sense to me either to have all these fans come in for the thunderdome to watch main event too it's like you're sitting there and i've been offered seats on the thunderdome like front row seats by her from but you have to be there from 6 p.m to 11 p.m on our time and that's just too long for that I'm because not... you have to start by watching you have to sit in the lobby for an hour and then you have to watch main event for an hour and then you have to actually start watching raw or smackdown and whatever it is and it's just too long for me, but like that's that's what she told me anyway. So yeah, uh, I I I feel bad for Mustafa Ali. I really thought he was gonna be the hacker, and then the hacker died, uh, and then which could which could have so easily been linked to retribution with the black hoodies, but they literally had a you know I gotta believe I think that's what it was. And if the if they had just given the connection, put those two pieces together. All of this would make a lot more sense. All of a sudden, one night they're like, "Yeah, we got a new retro, a new stable coming to Monday Night Raw." Okay, and then they throw Molotov cocktails at something and light it on fire and knock over a case of tools. Great, you really Ooh, yeah, no. they flicker the lights. Oh. I've watched I've watched the Nexus come in there and literally choke Justin Roberts with his freaking tie and bury Jerry Lawler underneath an announce table. Okay. And- and two weeks later, make Mr. McMahon look like a bitch. So then, like, or put Bret Hart in a limousine and crash him oh into, a, into a pickup truck, or not a pickup. That truck, was good too. Trailer. That was so good. Like the Nexus in 2010, did they were just so much better than Retribution? Oh, I don't want to compare, but let's be honest, they're so much better. Oh yeah. And at the time, they were literally like almost nobodies. Like outside of had, Brian, yeah, no, nobody. Like, and they, and we, we basically know that all of these people from in retribution are NXT names that 
they're pretty okay names. I mean, Mia Yim, she's done a lot of good work on the in, on Dijakovic, like Impact and stuff. Dijakovic has done a lot of good work. Mercedes Martinez, Shane Thorne. These are all names where you can be like, I know who they are. I've seen their work. I can like, I can uh, I get behind them, but I just can't get behind Retribution. And it, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Yeah, almost, but, no. <laughs> I guess if there were if there was a term for like the opposite of an MVP for 2020, it would be retribution. Retribution for all the hype they try to give it, it's not gonna reach that mark by a long shot. And I'll ju- I'll just say this: I dare, I dare WWE to make me eat my words. Make me eat my words, okay? Please, please, I would love to be proven wrong. I would absolutely love to be proven wrong. That's why, I wa- that's why I watch wrestling. <laughs> oh, exactly. My oh my god. All right. Um, yeah, so we talked about a lot of MVP candidates, and I think that they're all viable. And uh, to hop over to AEW and just give one from my perspective, um, what's it called? I just had his name in my head, and I forgot it. Uh, I will get back to you in a second when I think of who it was. Um, I mean... It, oh, while I think of his name, AEW has really given that new life, as we've said. And I mean, Moxley has really excelled. I mean, he, he's always been good on the mic, so this was perfect for him. Uh, oh, duh. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, who was over like Rover before this pandemic, enters into a feud with Chris Jericho and wins the feud. Yeah, he lost the first match, but he won two straight. He won the feud. Orange he won Cassidy. The random debate with Eric Bischoff. Yeah, well, that was, that was, <laughs> that was I, I don't know about that one, but um, yeah, Orange Cassidy. I, I think that that man, against all odds, is gonna be a big deal for a while because it's so stupid that it's funny, and I think we as fans thrive off of stuff like that. I love Orange I Cassidy. Totally agree. Me, uh, hey. Anyway, uh, anything else we want to throw into this wonderful discussion of 2020? It's kind of been a miscellaneous discussion of everything here and there, yeah. I guess. I, eh, but you know what? I hope people are thoroughly entertained because that's the goal. Yeah, listen, man. We, we, sat here, the masses. we sat here and talked for over an hour about wrestling. There's not many better ways to spend an evening, and that there's, there's just no arguing that, in my opinion. Mm, absolutely. Angelo, you got anything else you want to throw in? Uh, no, I think I think we covered a pretty decent ground here. Well, then with that all being said, ladies and gentlemen, it has been our honor and privilege to entertain you once again. We thank Austin for joining us and for participating and creating such a wonderful topic to really keep us on our toes and just talking for an hour. And we hope that sometime soon he will be back and joining us again. We'll be happy to have him whenever the case may be. Uh, but for Austin, for Angelo, and for myself, we thank you for listening. We remind you to like, share, and subscribe. And always remember to never be afraid to be a fan. We will see everybody again soon. Goodbye, everyone.